Hello and welcome to Curiously Morbid, a podcast with Danielle Waldron and my co-host Dean Osgood. This week's case is going to be on Jimmy Hoffa and his disappearance. But first, Dean, how was your week? Hi, Danielle. Hey. And my week's been all right. I've become a social media influencer. Amazing. I have. Well, I've, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I tried last year to do it, didn't I? I know. I was there to watch that. You there? You, wa- you watched me build. You watched me crumble. I did. So I've started an Instagram, and I've always wanted to do it based on LGBT education. It's called the LGBT Tree if you want to follow it. Um, but it's something I'm really passionate about. I, I feel like I'm an LGBT advocate. <laughs> I feel like you can attest that when we met um, in that school, that I really championed LGBT stuff and like turn them around a little bit oh 100% I've literally never seen anything in a school like it it's incredible what you do with the young people you work with it's actually insane thanks I'm just like pushing the gay agenda like we'll have a stonewall club we're celebrating pride month and we're going to do I did um, a year 7 pride this year did you I did not know this so year 7 pride the the week to um, I'm really sorry to hear for Jimmy Hoffa Come for, come for Jimmy and stay for the pride. <laughs> they had the week to make banners and stuff. And then on the Friday, I got them all in the sports hall and they paraded round. I did like it like a crowd thing where I like tagged them up. They come up and they read poems and they read the, they read the work all about pride and stuff. And then I gave them all like little presents on the way out. It That's so insane cool. because you'd think that would have been like plastered all over social media and stuff. That's really odd that it wasn't. It wasn't because the person that did social media was off that day. Uh, that's really annoying i know but it was fab um and it's going to be over my social media from now on because i do so much stuff like that and i want to share with other teachers what i do and i want to get inspiration as well does that make sense that makes perfect sense so please follow me so yeah go and follow the lgbt teacher and while you're there follow miss waldron underscore oh my god what you did this week was amazing as well so I'm just going to blow you home for a bit. Oh, God. You delivered an online CPD session. I did. I did. And it went fab. All the feedback was amazing. People are can't wait for the next one. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, if we have got any teachers listening, which I hope we do, because hopefully people that follow me and Dean um, on our teacher Instagram accounts, um, they should be watching, well, not watching, listening to this. Um, so, oh, yeah, so any teachers that are listening to this... Um, I do like behaviour CPD. Um, me and Dean are going to be doing an inclusive teaching one. Very and I can't soon. wait for that. It's going to be awesome. Um, we I do all sorts. So, yeah. But details are on your Instagram, aren't they? All my details are on my Instagram. Thank you for reminding me. And the link is always in the bio. Always in the bio. She's got a link tree. She's an influencer. <laughs> She's got a link tree. So you know, if you want to spend like a Monday evening with me and some geeky other teachers, you know, come and come and have a fun time because it was really fun. Yes. yes. Um, Danielle Waldron. Dean Osgood. Sorry, Danielle recommended me a podcast and <laughs> I started listening to it and I love it. What is that podcast called, Dean? That podcast is called True Crime, Crime. Obsessed. Obsessed. <laughs> um, I do know what it's called, but I've just started <laughs> listening to it and they are at the minute, they're going through the episodes of Trial by Media. And I am loving it, and I've started watching it on on, on, Netflix. on Netflix, and I absolutely love it. Um, but they start by singing their co-hosts' names, and um, I love that. And I tried to do it, and I can't sing, but... Yeah, neither of us can sing, so we probably won't do that at the start of ours, and also it, it is kind of copying. So we might figure something 
out to do. I don't know. We're we're just gonna do a um, uh, expressive poem. Oh, an expressive poem to each other at the start of every episode. That would be quite fun. Yeah. Um, Danny, 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 why, why? I'm not good at poetry, but I'm looking forward to the podcast with you. We. Oh, okay. That was a forced try. Okay, Dean. Dean, Dean. Why are you so mean? <gasps> I feel very <laughs> dead. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. I was going to say, why are you so clean? Right. And I thought, no. Next podcast, come with a poem. Oh, God, that's so much pressure. Okay, I'll try. I've got an itch. <gasps> Tell me what the itch is. I'm very itchy. Go on. Why are you so itchy? I want to know about Jimmy Hoffa. <gasps> me too. That's so strange. It's, it's almost like it? we're here to, to talk about Jimmy Hoffa. Who orchestrated that? Uh, you know, just some like really good host of a of a podcast. Who? It was me. Has got really good notes. Yeah, it was me. Which I'm very <laughs> So, shall we delve into the case file? Yes, let's open up this week's case. Ooh. The disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. It's also kind of unsolved still, but kind of solved. We should have music there. The disappearance of Jimmy Insert music. Insert music. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> there we go. Right. Okay. Right, so, do you want to start with the reading on me? <laughs> um, you start. Okay. So, Jimmy Hoffer was born in Brazil, Indiana, on February 14th, 1913, to John and Viola Hoffer. His father, who was of German descent from what is now referred to as Pennsylvania Dutch, died in 1920 from lung disease. So Hoffer was only about seven years old when this happened. So a bit of a sad start to his life. Well, that is. Yeah, but, you know, things happen. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so his mother was of Irish ancestry. The family moved to Detroit in 1924, where Hoffer was raised and lived the rest of his life. Um, up until his death, he lived in Detroit. Um, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Have you ever watched the film Detroit? No. Oh, you need to watch it. Do they speak like this in Detroit? Not really, no. Maybe. Maybe This is more of like a New York gangster mafia. Yeah, which some of the people in this podcast will sound like. Okay, I'll save my accent. Save your accent. You save that accent. Okay, so... Um, Hoffa left school when he was 14 and began working full-time manual labour jobs to help support his family. So he was really, like, hands-on. Do you know what I find weird? What? In the past, you could just leave school. <laughs> yeah, just whenever you felt like yeah, it. Like... I'm going to leave now. Do you know what? I can read, I can do some sums, I can perform my monologue. Not that I ever think they talk drama in these days. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know, like, at 14, when people like, oh, I left school when I was 14... Yeah, I think that's crazy. It is. Because my granddad, do you know, right, here's a really funny, like, side story. My granddad went to a school, he decided he didn't like the school he was at, and so he just started attending, like, a school one of his friends did. Didn't tell any teachers, didn't, like, have to enrol or anything. Just started attending at this other school, went to this other school for, like, about three or four months, and then his mum found out, and then they had to send him back to the one. But I was like, how like chill were times back then just to be like oh there's a new student in my class okay that's hilarious I love like that. that's insane to be fair i taught music in my school and i had a kid that had been in my music lesson every week 
for the whole first term of my NQT on the last day before Christmas um, someone came up and was like you're not meant to be in here and I just hadn't put two and two together that he wasn't on the register oh my god that that is something that can easily be done now yeah it was on my NQT yeah and for context I teach the whole school yeah like the whole school yeah you so do it happens and like it's like 500 kids, you can't, yeah, you can't, you know. Six, seven hundred You kids? aren't, you aren't a superhero, you know. I don't know, I'm good. And also, they would have been on someone else's register, and they yeah. didn't notice that yeah, they weren't see, there all the time. They didn't carry the one. So, you know, you know. Right. right. So. Ooh. Dean is going to scratch the rest of the itch for us. Am I? Is that because I made an ooh sound? Yeah, it's because you made an ooh sound. Ooh. So I just thought, oh, maybe you want to take it away. Um, so Hoffa married Josephine Poswak. Yes. So I'm quite good at that. An 18-year-old Detroit laundry worker of Polish heritage in Bowling Green, Ohio, on the 24th, 1936. The couple had met six months earlier during a non-unionised laundry worker strike action. That that's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. Non union ad Oh no, but I feel like they just did it themselves. They probably just organised a strike with no like union people. But, but still they are a union. Yes. If they've organised themselves. Yes. They are a self union. However, they had two children, a daughter called Barbara Ann Crankser and a son called James P. Hoffer. Um question Daniel. The daughter's surname is different because that's her married name now. Oh, you are a fountain of knowledge. I know. Here's me being like, mm, I have conventional ideas of family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Hoffa paid $6,800 in dollars. Dollars. <laughs> I just have to go American on dollars. <laughs> in 1939 for a modest home in northwestern Detroit. Seven grand got a modest home. That was like my deposit that's that's less than the deposit i had to pay on my house i'd just be like that's me done no yeah. <laughs> i mean um, i know that obviously back then it was like a lot but it baffles me how it's crazy it's crazy i don't i don't understand so it got a lovely modest home for a steal in northwestern detroit the family later owned a simple summer lakefront cottage in orion childship michigan north of detroit which they probably got for a tenner <laughs> tenor in today's money <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I've carried the ones it was a tenor <laughs> so um, Jimmy Hoffa was a prominent figure in the mob and in the Teamsters union and it was through like the union why he became a prominent figure in the mob the Teamsters had a union the Teamsters had a union so James Riddle Hoffa was the president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters the Teamsters were originally known as a labour union for drivers. I love a brotherhood. I love a brotherhood. It's nice, isn't it? Like, that. that is a lot of Freaky Friday stuff, that brotherhoods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. Put, a, put a pin in that thought. Tune in to Freaky Friday to find out more. Not this one. The next one's going to be about ghosts. 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 But it will be. So just age 18, Jimmy was successful in getting dock workers pay better by organising a strike in 1932 i feel like the union people back in the days were proper lads yeah because they were sorting stuff out and people loved that Mm -hmm. like you've got us more money like you've done the impossible exactly but now especially in the uk conservative government maggie thatcher 
got rid of the powers. They're yeah. not as strong. They're not as strong now. But obviously in America, I'm not very good. Maybe American Yeah, maybe American unions are amazing. But then I don't imagine because they don't have universal health care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> sad. They have not stood up for their rights. Um, so, after refusing to work for an abusive shift foreman, Hoffer left the grocery chain partly because of his union activities. He was then invited to become an organiser with the local 299. Ooh, the local branch 299. Oh. Oh. Um, of the Teamsters in Detroit. Oh, so this is like where his sort of union journey started. So he seems like, before all of this ties with the mob, he was just like a good, hard-working bloke. Honest man. A good, honest man. He was married, he had his kids... Standing up for what he believes in. Standing up for what he believes Sometimes. in. Getting people better pay. Man yeah. of the people. I feel like this is my future. <laughs> well, I hope only some of it is your future because I don't want you to disappear. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like I'm good at that. Yeah, we'll and just that. We're not going to do the rest for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, he then began organising for Teamsters a year later uh, and started to rise through the ranks quite quickly. So his influence in the Teamsters uh, was significant. At this time, 90% of US transportation was controlled by the Teamsters, who were in turn run by Hoffa. So basically, any transport for like any goods in America were transported like by these lorries. So he like had a lot of power, really. Yeah, that is power, that, isn't it? That is power, because you can stop everything from getting anywhere. Food, water, utilities... Like anything, literally anything. Need need palm greasing. Mm-hmm. I can see where it all started going south. Yeah. So the trucking unions in that era were heavily influenced by, in many and in many cases, controlled by elements of organised crime. So that'll be because it was easier to transport, you know, like other goods with the real goods at the same time. So I always imagine when we say other goods, drugs. Yeah, probably drugs, probably but money. Really, it probably wasn't drugs, was it, at this time? Like, was Prohibition Do you know on? what? It was, oh, this is just after Prohibition, to be fair, but it would have definitely been Prohibition, like, literally Leading just to it. before, yeah. So, like, alcohol, money to be laundered. Yeah. I mean, that money with the mattresses. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, like... Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say, like, bananas. Bananas? <laughs> <laughs> Because that was an exotic fruit. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were like transporting in these things. Oh my that, god. I feel like old timey gangsters were nice. They had oh good intentions, god. but Well, not. do you know, one of the things that they used to steal out of transportation things were like um meat and then they'd put them in restaurants that they owned for like free, so they were getting them for free and things like that. Um and that's a little something I learned from a film called The Irishman. Oh. Um, which is an amazing watch that everyone should watch if you've been listening to this podcast. And in fact, I told Dean to watch it as well. <laughs> did you watch that film, Dean? I did. You know, you said you said this is a film you need to watch. So I put it on. I was in bed. I was watching the film. I was like, this is really interesting. And then I fell asleep. Okay. But that's no relation to the goodness of the film. That was just me being sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. And I will watch it again. 
I put a pin in it and I come back to it. And you're coming back to it, okay. So okay. I do apologise. It is, is three film. hours. It is three hours long. It's a long, It's long a very film. long film. I bought it on Sky, though, so that shows you my bought commitment. bought it on Sky. Do you not know that it's on Netflix for free? Well, <laughs> that was not something you said up front. I'm really sorry. So I spent seven ninety nine on Sky. It's on Netflix for free because it is a Netflix original. Um, Martin Scorsese directed it it came out for like a month in the cinema and then was on Netflix you're lying I'm not lying how good is that I'm really upset that you paid 7 99 on Sky for that when you could have got it for free on Netflix that's really sad oh, no. I'd be really annoyed yeah. Yeah. but I fell asleep I'm so sorry please accept <laughs> this on this podcast Danny this is my sincerest apology alright Dean I'm looking you straight in the eye and I'm saying I apologise for falling asleep in the film, but I have done my research, I promise. Okay, I accept it. I just feel like it would be a bit better if you'd watched the film. Sorry, with a high bitch voice. Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's fine. But you should go and watch the film if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, because the film is actually really good and it's, it's, I think it's very accurate and obviously I'll explain that when, when we get a little bit further into the details. And I think um, from what I saw is it goes into more of other stories and more other yes. things, not just this specific. Yeah, because it's like the life of one of the gangsters in particular, and he was actually a truck driver, so he was just a very normal truck driver, and then he ended up getting like recruited by the mob, um, and that's what happened with loads of truck drivers, so lots of them actually did work for that company, and then they became part of the mob instead because that's how they would like recruit their mm-hmm. soldiers they called them um, and like hitmen and things like that hitmen. so yeah, basically if you wanted a little bit of extra money you'd just do little odd jobs for the mob yeah which to be fair I probably would you know what I wouldn't put it past myself you know a little bit on the side a little bit on the side it's a side hustle it's everyone's going to have a side hustle everyone's going to have a side hustle but do you know what I believe in and I know this is like nothing to do with the mafia but it is multiple sources of income the way to live in this 21st century is multiple sources of income. Definitely. It is. Side hustle. Sorry. That's what I've learnt from the mob. <laughs> That's what you've learnt from the mob? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, to be fair, they do have their fingers in quite a lot of pies. They put those fingers in lots of pies and then they launder the pies with the money in them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. So... <laughs> so so the trucking unions in that era uh, like i said before were heavily influenced by the mob and um, for hoffa to unify and expand the trucking unions he had to make accommodations and arrangements with many gangsters so this was sort of something that he had to do and this began in the detroit area um, and the organized crime influence on the ivt would expand as the union itself began to grow Ooh. So in 1941, Hoffa and the Teamsters were engaged in a turf battle with rivals in Detroit. Love a turf battle. So it's reported that this is when Hoffa started to become engaged with the mob and obviously then in more criminal activities. It's thought that Hoffa hired the mob to get rid of the rivals and this worked. And now, what do you never do? Get involved with the mob. Get involved with the mob. Oh, the mob something. Jimmy owes the mob. You do not go in debt to the mob. Never, never, never. But the thing is, if you are involved with the mob, that's it. That It's not like, you're oh, in. you get in and then you're out. You're in and you're in. You can't dip your toe in. No, you can't dip your toe in. You can't just go for a paddle. Once you're in, you're in for life. Yeah. Otherwise, you're dead. Yeah. 
you're swimming with the fishes or we don't know where you are yeah exactly exactly so this is when jimmy became rather shady shady jimmy shady jimmy jimmy's gonna shade shady shady jimmy this is my american accent oh god this is more of like a southern accent i was gonna say we're up north we're not down south shady jimmy no that's that's the same (laughs) that's the same same one this is police business right shady jimmy I'm not sure what that was. My American accent, my New York, Brooklyn, the Heights accent comes from when I played Captain Schmolsky in uh, Bugsy Malone in year eight. Oh my God. <laughs> and my line was, it's police business and police business we gotta do. Okay, nice. I was good, you know, got stunned over there. Um, very good. So yeah, shady Jimmy. Yeah, this is when J- Jimmy became shady. So obviously getting involved with the mob, it's not a great look. It's not at all, is it? No. But from this point, the mob was able to benefit from Jimmy by taking loans from out of the Teamsters pension fund. And these funds were then used to funnel money through casinos in Las Vegas. Hoffa, in exchange, got a favourable return on these loans. Now that is very shady. That is very shady. Taken from pensions. And a lot of people don't know this. I've watched quite a lot of mob films, so I I am privy to this information. But Las Vegas was built by the mob. We would not have Las Vegas and all the casinos and stuff. Because it's just a city in the middle of the desert. Who the hell would build a city in the middle of the desert with nothing else around? Oh, the mob thought to do that. So if you watch things like Goodfellas and like the Irishman and stuff, you will see that they built all those casinos and stuff there because it was dead easy to launder their money in a casino. You're lying. Nope. We would not have Las Vegas if the mob didn't build it. Has anyone told Cher? Has anyone told Cher? I feel like Cher shouldn't be involved in the mob. She had a residency there? Oh, well, Britney Spears had a residency there. I know, but Britney Spears, we need to free her. Oh, RuPaul's also got a residency there. I mean, I don't think the mob still own... I mean, they probably well, they, own a lot do. of it. Yeah, they probably own a lot of they it. Do. But there's a lot more different places now that have also joined in. So my big takeaway from this, Danielle, is that RuPaul is in the mob. Yeah, RuPaul, Cher and Britney. Are all in the mob. Oh, they're all in the mob. You know what? The Jonas Brothers had a res- oh. residency. Nick was in the mob? Nick. No, Kevin. Kevin Mm. was in the mob. Do you know who else was in the mob? Tell me who. Besides Cher, RuPaul and Brittany. Go on. Joe Bros. (laughs) Jimmy Hoffa. No. No, he was. So, Vegas was made and controlled by the mob. Thanks for that tidbit. So, even though Hoffa had connections to the mob... He was still beloved by the union workers as he was the one that got them the benefits, increased their wages. So throughout the 40s and the 50s, they had a really good relationship with the mob and it served each other well, really. It was back and forth. They both got something from it. But this started to crack in 1967. At this point, he's had a good run with them, hasn't he? A very good run. Like a really good run. That's a very long time to be involved with like mobsters. But you've got to think, he was really young when like he was... Like, it was, like, what, he was, like, 18 when he was involved with the union and stuff. So, really young, like, by the time he got involved with the mob. So, what's he in now, like, 40? Maybe a bit older. 50. So, he's had, like, 25, 50s, 30 years 60s with the mob. maybe. Yeah, something like that. I imagine you get a good six months with the mob and that's it. Me, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. It depends, depends what your behaviour's like. Yeah. 
I wouldn't. And I, I feel like Hoffa was very well behaved. I'd put my foot in it. I would. I'd put my foot in it. 100%. I'd be like, well, you know. I'd definitely put my foot in it. That's it, why we're not the mom. Yeah. Go on. So why was Hoffa, um, why did that relationship start to crack? So Hoffa was sentenced to 13 years in prison. Oof. For not just one, not just two. Oof. But multiple crimes, oh. multiple charges. So they included bribery. <gasps> That's naughty. Jury tampering. Oh. Now that That's messing shady. with the justice system is really naughty. That is a First Amendment right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is, but I feel like. But you've it just is. made that up, okay? Yeah. Cool. Um, and mail fraud. Oh, and they take that quite seriously. They do, and like I. I didn't know, realise how mail fraud was so big in America. Yeah. Like, it is. Isn't like, it? they really don't like that when you do things fraudulently in the mail. Through the mail? Yeah, no. But, like, it's like, I feel like it was like, in my head, mail fraud is like signing up to credit card <laughs> in someone else's name. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually know what it entails, but... It's just anything fraudulent in the mail. But lots... Actually, do you know what? I've watched a documentary really recently about Are the mob. Say, I, oh, oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Oh, no, it's Sorry, like Fear in the, the City or something like that. It's called, it's about um, New York gangs, like the mob, in, obviously, New York, I've just said New that. New York! In New York. Um, but they got caught on, like, mail fraud and stuff like that because it's like being caught on, you know, like, not paying your taxes. Um, it's like the equivalent of that. Oh. And they love it. They love it, the police in America, catching people on mail fraud. Do you know where I know mail fraud from? Where? There is a documentary on Netflix called Circus of Books. Oh, I've also watched that. Have I you love watched, it. I watched it and it's about like a gay um, yeah. bookshop. And it's scandalous. Yeah, and it is scandalous books. But it was illegal to send pornography through the US mail. Yes. So the police cracked down on it and arrested a lot of um, a lot of owners of shops and things like that. And that's where I know about mail fraud from. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a fantastic documentary. It really is, and I loved it. And Alaska's in it, and that's yeah. one of the reasons that drawn me to it. But then I'm so glad I came for the Alaska. I stayed for the circus of books. Yeah. Oh, that's a that is a really good documentary recommendation. Actually, I like that. See, I'm good at Thank recommending you, Dean. things. Thank you, Dean. Netflix should sponsor us, really, because we've mentioned them about three times now. So. Well, if you'd like to sign up to um, Netflix, you use her <laughs> Morbid. Morbid. Oh. So, however, in 1971, President Nixon pardoned Jimmy Hoffa with the condition that Hoffa was to have no involvement with the union until at least 1980. So that's like a good nine-year gap. When he is out of office, can't run two terms. Oh yeah. I Why? Didn't think that. Biggest government thing. They don't they hate unions. They don't want someone like Jimmy sparing the unions off. Exactly. God. And then it's, it doesn't really matter because it won't be his problem. I know because they won't. Can't run two terms, can they? Exactly. At this point, if you are an American, go and register to vote. Go and vote. Use your vote because I'm telling you this for now. From a British person, we don't want Trump again. He's going to ruin the world. <laughs> from us. <laughs> Is going to ruin the world. And I know we've made some bad choices as British. I'm more for staying in the EU. That come directly from my half. I'm more for having a Labour government. But do not make the same mistake twice. Do not vote Trump. Sorry. Oh, no, yeah, don't. don't. This has been brought to you by... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This is, a, this is an anti-Trump policy. <laughs> I'll get off my high horse and we'll go yeah, back you, to Jimmy Hoffman. You get down. You get down and I'll tell them about the rest of the case. Sorry. 
Go on, calm down, calm down. I'm off, I'm off. <laughs> so, in July of 1976, the police found that the Teamsters' largest pension fund had been robbed of hundreds of millions of dollars, and just two weeks later, Hoffer had vanished. So, in that time that he'd got out, that five-year period, he then vanishes after the police find out, you know, like, this about, about the money. huge fraudulent... Um, Thing that the mob have been doing basically. I don't like that though because I always thought the mob were like had a code of ethics, but stealing no. from people's pensions. No, the mob don't have a code of ethics. They I mean, do. they do, but not like they don't really care about anyone really. I they do. kill their own like family and blood if, if they have to. See, my perception of the mob is like the hustle. Have you seen the Hustle? hustle. <laughs> Not the film of Rebel Wilson, but like the BBC series Hustle. Hustle, and like yeah. And they rob from like people that can afford to be robbed. No, that's not what they do. And, yeah. and real people get hurt all the time and things so like that. You can tell that I haven't watched the film. <laughs> I apologise for this stuff. No, no, lots of innocent people always get hurt. Um, so, the timing suggests that the two were connected. So the police finding out about the pension and Hoffer vanishing. So it kind of implies that Hoffer may have let the investigators know of the mob's involvement with the union, seeing as that had been a pretty well-kept secret for like 30 years. Hush, hush. Um, so this obviously would be really damaging to the mob because that's a lot of their money that they get through and launder and, and steal, basically. Um, sort of just gone overnight. So They're not happy bunnies. They aren't happy bunnies. The mob are not happy with Mr. Hoffer right now. So, on July 30th, 1975, Hoffa was 62 years old at this point and, la- and seen outside a restaurant in Detroit called Matches Red Fox. Yeah, we'll I have go no with I- that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, so, Hoffa had been asked to meet two acquaintances at 2pm. So, the first acquaintances were suspects Anthony, Tony Jack... Glad to go on that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we'll go with that. And I'll just call him Tony Jack from here. Um, and Anthony Tony Pro, Pro, Provenzano. Provenzano. No, I can say that better. Provenzano. Provenzano. Okay, yeah, yeah okay, I can say that. Um, obviously, Italian names. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, Tony Jack or Tony Pro. You know, little Tony. <laughs> little Tony. <laughs> God. <laughs> They've all got stuff like that, though. It's like Fat Joe or, you know, like something yeah. like that. Fat Sam. Fat Sam's Grand Slam. Speak easy. Sorry. You are a theatre kid, aren't you? Through and through. Um, But I love it. Um, So they were obviously both members of the mob as well. um, And Tony Pro was even a member of the Teamsters. So he probably would have been like a truck driver at one point and then like promoted up through the ranks of the mob. Yeah. However, neither of them turned up for the meeting and both told the FBI that such a meeting had never even been arranged. Oh. Who do we believe? So both men also have got alibis for that day. Ooh, so that's kind of... Dodgy dodge. That is dodgy dodge. Alibis, no meeting, playing dumb. Yeah. Best way, if you get questioned, I don't know this, but I imagine it is, <laughs> is to play dumb. Oh, yeah, definitely. What meeting? What meeting? There's a meeting. Oh, I didn't know. So Tony Jack was at an athletic club and was talking to people he did know and didn't know. Hmm. That's odd behaviour. To speak to people you know and don't know. Mm, yeah. It feels like you're trying to get a lot of alibis. To me, it seems like he was overcompensating. It was almost like he was making sure he definitely had a rock solid alibi. What's better than one alibi? Two. Ten. <laughs> Ten. A Twelve. Room, a room full of strangers that 
I was going to sing Roxy Andrews. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Stop it. I know you love me, baby. Just like I'm Halloween. A room full of strangers and make you want to scream. Oh, Sorry. You're killing me. Um, so, that is dodgy. But Tony Pro was in New Jersey, not Michigan, different state. Yeah. With his brother Sammy playing cards at a union hall. So again, lots of witnesses. Yeah, public place, different state. Yeah, so really making it explicit that they were not there. Yeah, that's Dodge. So after the two no-showed, Hoffa called his wife, Josephine, at half two from a nearby payphone. There were witnesses that saw Hoffa in the restaurant parking lot and he was quite recognisable as he was he was famous. Yeah, he was a big union person. Everyone loved him. Everyone knew who he was. I imagine it's like seeing... Who? Think Dean. I imagine it's like seeing... Gemma Collins. Yeah, something like that. Like, she's not A-list, but you know her. Oh, yeah, you know her face. But also, he'd been pardoned by the president, so he definitely would have had, like, a lot of coverage. So the president knows that maybe not Gemma Collins, though. Yeah. Especially in the local area in Detroit, he'd definitely yeah, be known, he would wouldn't know. he? Like, round here, Willie Russell. Yeah, Willie Russell. Aw, Willie Russell, what a guy. Right, are Blood Brothers, are they out? Shirley Valentine, if you don't know her, get to know her. Get to know her. So, he was spotted getting into a burgundy Mercury Marquis. How do I say that word? I'd say Marquis. I don't know. So, no. He was spotted getting Marquis. into a burgundy Mercury Marquis with three men inside. So, it is thought that Hoffa entering this car was the last time he was ever seen. Oh. Scary. Shall we go for a break? Let's go for a break. I am obsessed. What are you obsessed with? Little Miss Stick. <gasps> Little Miss Stick. I love Little Miss Stick. Do you know what? As a teacher, this is something I always want, but never, one, not have the skill to do. I absolutely don't have the skill to do this. Two, not have the time, but these are amazing. If you don't know who Little Miss Stick is, who are you fooling yourself? You need to know. You need to. She is on Instagram. She's on Instagram at Little Miss Stick. And you can go and see the amazing things she produces. What I have got in my hand now, Danielle, I am loving. They are personalised stickers. Not only personalised with your name, but with your bitmoji. It's literally the coolest. Every teacher needs this. Every teacher needs this. Even if you're not a teacher, though, I feel like I'd get these for, like, my nieces and nephews. You know, like, to do chores and stuff. How cute, like... Thank you. Like for reward charts. Yes. Oh, how good is that? Yes, very good. Or do you know what? They'd be good at like. Um... It'd be good to put like on your things. So to be like, this is mine. Like this oh, book belongs to. That's my book. Yeah. Mm, that's my water bottle. Yeah. Whose book is that? Oh, it's mine because it's got my Bitmoji sticker on it. Or less aggressive way of labelling your food in the office fridge. Oh <gasps> yes. Not I aggressive. Didn't think of that. Welcome back. <laughs> so the following day july 31st 1975 hoffa's car was found in the parking lot of the restaurant the witnesses that saw him getting into the mercury had had their stories corroborated by dna evidence but this wasn't until years later because obviously it wasn't they did not really have a thing. DNA at this point did they so this is like recent yeah so obviously any evidence that they'd kept handy they then went and retested, and it was a hair in the car that com- was confirmed to belong to Hoffa. Um, so it's assumed that the vehicle um, basically took Hoffa to his death. What a cliche mob thing to do as well. 
What, in a car? In a car. Yeah, they're always in a car. You should never sit in the front passenger seat. Ever. Is that a thing? Yeah, because the person that's sitting behind, yeah, will, like, shoot you in the back of the head. Or, bang, bang. Or, or sh- yeah. Across the mm-hmm. neck. Mm-hmm. It's very well known. It's in The Godfather. It happens. It happens. I think, does that happen in Scarface? Maybe. Goodfellas, it happens. So, he got into the car. Mm-hmm. And we need to touch on that a bit later, don't we? Yes. It's very important, the placement of seating in the car. But I did not know that about the passenger seat. I know. It's quite the, quite the detail. Yeah. Mm. And I think that is a good, handy tip. For dealing with the mob that is a good handy tip i would never ever ever get in the passenger seat and i would because i'd probably forget <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah so the driver was identified by a witness being charles chuckle o'brien did you say chuckle yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so the driver was <laughs> chuckle o'brien yeah, i was about to say chuckles why the have chuckle? <laughs> i was like did you just say chuckle <laughs> so the driver was identified by witnesses as being Charles Chucky O'Brien O'Brien? Yeah, we'll go with O'Brien. So the driver was identified by witnesses as being Charles Chucky O'Brien and was known to be incredibly close to Jimmy, like his son to him almost. So Hoffer would have trusted Chucky without hesitation. And that is maybe why he was chosen to be the driver. So uh-huh. Jimmy would just get in. Yeah, because obviously if you trust someone, you are, you're just going to get in the car. Why is he called Chucky? I don't know, probably just it's a short name for Chuck. For Charles, yeah, yeah. on to. I think of Chucky, not as the psycho doll. As Chucky from Rugrats. Yeah. And his name's Charles. Is it? Yeah, because when he's getting shouted at by his dad, his dad calls him Charles. Is that an American thing then, that Charles is Chucky? Yeah, because we would shorten that to Charlie, wouldn't we? Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. Charlie. Um, But I do like Chucky, it's cute. Chucky. Even though it's like the psycho doll as well. Yeah, but not name your child that. No, obviously I'm not going to name my child Chucky. But it's cute, I like it. Right, so... Chucky had always denied that Hoffa got into the car and he also denied any involvement with his disappearance. Okay. Do you reckon this is pulling... Like, did he, did he not? Do you think it's pulling him apart a little bit? Maybe. To lie about it if they were that close. I would think so. It would probably cause them to behave strangely. Strangely, and we'll come to that. But investigators think their relationship had become really strained. Um, especially after Chucky felt that Hoffa could have secured him a better position within the Teamsters. Yeah, so like maybe like a supervi- a regional supervisor. Regional, su- regional manager. Yeah, mm. but maybe he was just a manager. You know. You want to be an area manager? You want to be an area manager? You want to be a regional and national? National. Yeah, I want to. So what happened now? So Hoffa's daughter also believes that Chucky was driving the car as she knew her dad wouldn't have gotten the car if he wasn't there. Um, So Chucky's car had also recently been cleaned after transporting a £40 load of salmon from Detroit to a union member's home. Which is quite random. Um, quite fishy, would you say? That's, that is fishy behaviour, <laughs> isn't it? Rather fishy. There's something fishy about this. <laughs> uh, so he said that the salmon had spilt blood over the back seat and that's why it was cleaned. I remember being very like about this. A lot of my research was BuzzFeed Unsolved video, which is really good. And I remember they started talking about this. And I was like, that is like a good cover, isn't it? 
Yeah, a very good cover. A very good cover because also it's going to smell for a good while after and hide anything. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a good cover for that, but also it's the fact that it was like, oh, um, uh, fish blood spill, and it's like, oh, or was there other blood in the car? Does fish have blood? That's, <laughs> that's good, England, um, <laughs> good England. Good England, Jean. Good England, Jean. Um, I don't... I, I mean, fish must obviously... Yeah, they do have blood. They do. <laughs> Definitely have blood, but... Which we don't teach science. Um, yeah, we aren't science teachers. But I don't imagine... If you've got fish in the back of a But, car, yeah, how is blood spilling? I don't get it, yeah. If it's just their bodies. Yeah. And, like, were they not wrapped in anything? Were they not in an icebox? Or... It's Some, weird. Something too fishy about this. There is something very fishy about it. So what happened next? So, police dogs, however, found Hoffa's scent in the back seat and in the boot. And for our American listeners, that's the trunk. The trunk. The trunk. Um, and the only reason we have differences, by the way, just a little side note, um, is just because in Britain, boots were used to like store your boots in, like your boots on your shoe, on your feet. And Americans used it to put their trunks in. Like a no, that's literally where they come from. Every day is a school day. Every day is a school day, baby. And I just love giving like little tidbits of information like that. That's like what we call a Hoover Hoover, and they call it a vacuum because Hoover is a brand of a vacuum. Yeah. But the real word's a vacuum. Yeah, like it is a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Wait, but it's a Hoover. It's a, it's a Hoover. It's a Hoover. Um. So James P. Hoffer, which is the son of Jimmy Hoffer, um, asked Chucky if he'd been involved in this disappearance, and to which Chucky just left the room very abruptly. That's odd. That's very odd behaviour, because surely you'd be like, no. No, no, no. Is he trying to send signals? What's happening? I don't know. Mm, because just abruptly leaving the room with nothing else is a bit strange. Can you imagine where I here talking now and I just gulp? And you asked me a question? Yeah, and just ah. left. I was like, Dean, did you eat my dairy milk? <gasps> and just left. I'd be like, well, obviously. I gas. I I'd be like, obviously, you did that. So I think this makes him look really suspicious. It makes him look fishy. But also, could you lie to the son of the person you murdered and were or had a hand in murdering and were really close to? Like they were apparently like a father son relationship. And I feel like if you've killed him, you're gonna lie about it. Yeah. I don't feel like that's the line. I just feel like no, but the way like he couldn't even confront like he wasn't even like no he had to like literally just leave yeah. like because he couldn't even talk to him yeah okay i get you so it because he probably felt the guilt even if his relationship with jimmy had been strained when his son's asking he was probably like oh i'm buying it you're selling it yeah I'm buying it. yes get in so um after many physical searches hoffa was never found dead or alive and still to this day has never been found unsolved completely well unsolved ish ishy ishy um i think i know what happened um Ooh, final thoughts at the end yes stay tuned all the way to the end yeah i think this one's kind of solved but not fully solved because we haven't got his body so what happened the next day so at 7 a.m the next day hoffa's wife called her son and daughter to say that their father had not come home so obviously she was expecting him the day before she'd last heard from him about half two on that payphone um, so that's quite a long time to then not hear again from your husband. But also, if he was involved in the mob, you kind of give it to the morning, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So she might have been like, oh, you know, he was out with his mob friends, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, laundering, laundering money, that money. Selling the alcohol, <laughs> parading the bananas about. 
<laughs> oh, they definitely were into like drugs and stuff by this time because yeah. drugs were like. And we've come forward. We're yeah, now, we're now 70. in like the seventies. Yeah. No more bananas. No, swap the bananas yeah. for the beak. Yeah, for the beak, for the beak, for the beak. Beak is cocaine. If people don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Educational facts with Danny. You know. Um. So Hoffa's daughter um came home and this is a little bit freaky actually this sort of goes into a freaky Friday. So she claimed to have a vision of her father who she was already sure was dead and in her vision she saw him slumped over wearing a dark coloured short sleeved polo shirt and this like mystified her ever since because although she literally could not have known prior to when she got to a mum in um, Lake Orion the clothing in her vision in her vision was exactly what he was wearing when he disappeared how weird is that that is that is a freaky friday that is a freaky friday and i was thinking it's weird but did he also just have very samey wardrobe because yeah. my dad wears like the same free shirts so you can imagine what he's wearing yeah like right now it's there's a good chance my dad's got a clash t-shirt on what's clash What's the Clash? It's a punk rock band from the eighties. Dean, do I look like I'm into punk rock from the eighties? You must know the song like "Rock the Casbah" and stuff like that. I'm gonna rock, rock the Casbah. Rock Kaspar. the Casbah. Yeah, that's mm. the tune. I like should I stay or should I go? No, but I can imagine like what my parents would be wearing at any given time. How yeah. Like that to have a vision of him slumped over. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, and the fact that it's like a dark coloured polo. I don't know, because obviously I'm just totally... He might have had like a really eclectic wardrobe. I'm just assuming that he's got a very, you know, a generic one. Um, I also feel like mobsters and teamsters and gangsters were the same. Yeah, I feel like they dress quite same Like If you say them. the mob, I'm imagining a suit. Yeah. Maybe a dark coloured shirt or a white shirt. Mm. And maybe a tie, maybe not a tie, but there's definitely a suit involved. Yeah, like, there's a generic image of what, like, someone in the mob would look like. Yeah, and to be honest, everything's mob, I do think dark shirts. Mm. And also in the film, The Irishman, that we talked about before, he does wear polo shirts a lot. Like, when he's not going to a meeting or a formal event in the film, when he's just chilling, he is wearing polo shirts quite a lot. Standard, so like, middle-aged se- man attire. Yeah, so it seems like that was probably something he just used to wear. Um, so... I don't know how much I put into that, but yeah, like you said, the fact he was slumped over and, you know, it's, it's, it is a little bit, I, I'm quite a believer in things like having visions and things like that, so I'm a bit like, oh, that must have been really, like, traumatic, traumatic for her to see that. So at 7.20, Lynn A2 went to the Red Fox and found Hoffa's unlocked car in the parking lot, but there was no sign of Hoffa or any indication of what had happened to him, so he called the police and they later arrived at the scene. The Michigan State Police were brought in and the FBI were alerted. Obviously, this is high level. He's been involved with the president. FBI needs to get involved. At 6pm, Hoffa's son, James, filed a missing persons report. Got to be 24 hours on it. Or is that just a UK the, thing? No, that's not even a UK thing, you know. That is a myth. Please don't believe that, like Dean. That is just so wrong. You do not have to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report. I've watched a lot of the first 48 and a lot of time is wasted because people think they've got to wait 24 hours if you've got a genuine concern about someone you go to the police asap like straight away and just like pester them until they put it in because there's not actually a time limit is it not no that's important then. that's really important to know and i also really want to do some like missing people like cases like small ones from the uk on the podcast quite soon oh we could bring them all together mm-hmm 
for a Freaky Friday, can we talk about Wayfair? Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Definitely. Um, so, you know, that's important that people know that because it is the first 48 hours that the most important mm-hmm. missing person investigation is. Yeah. I was trying to short an investigation and do it invest. <laughs> but it did not work. Um, so, they were brought in, the FBI were alerted at 6pm. Hoffer's son James filed the missing persons report. I don't know, I've said all that again. Um, the Hoffer... The Hoffer. the Hoffer family offered a $200,000 reward for any information about his disappearance. And in 1975, that would have been... 10 houses. A lot of money. 10 houses. Yeah, a lot. 12 houses. <laughs> a lot. 12 modest houses in Detroit. 12 modest houses in Detroit. Like, it was a lot of money. So it shows, like, how much money the Hoffers had. The Hovick's memo written in January 1976 by federal investigators suggests that authorities suspected that the mafia figured Hoffa had let it. <laughs> I can't read. So the Hovick's memo written in 1976, so this was after the fact, um, which was written by federal investigators, suggests that authorities suggested that the mafia had feared that Hoffa had let slip to them and the hold over the Teamsters. So it was prompting the FBI to look into the pension funds the mafia were using to help pay for their illegal operations so they decided to get rid oh but you know what this makes me wonder what does it make you wonder why would Hoffer tell the investigators about these shady dealings like why would he do that after all these years of loyalty do you think he was trying to get clean I don't think he was trying to get clean do you think it was more dodge what you wondering you're looking like you're wondering well I think I know but I think we should go a little bit more into... Oh, a pin in it. I'm going to pop a pin in it for now. But there's definitely a reason because if you think about it, he's been involved in the mob since the 1940s, early 1940s. So it's been 35 years. Yeah, you don't suddenly change your mind, do you? That's insane that, you would, just, that you would just flip yeah. like that. It's, you know. that and obviously he knows how serious the mob is because obviously he's been around for 35 years. He's gone to prison for the mob and didn't like crack while he was in there and things like that. So He's probably been involved in a few of them front seat offers. Oh yeah, probably. So he probably knows the severity. His hands ain't clean. They, oh no. Oh God, no. He ain't no angel. He's definitely, no, Hoffa isn't an angel. Yeah, I, th- I think he started out as an angel and rapidly fell like Lucifer. Oh, oh, deep. some uh, biblical allusions there for you. Ari with Danny. That's like, oh, yeah, that I could was do a that. Good jingle, wasn't it? Ari with Danny. Yeah, so this is where the book I Heard You Paint Houses comes into play, and this is um, actually the inspiration behind the film The Irishman as well that was released last year. Um, I like it. I know, and I like that it's called I Heard You Paint Houses. It's quite. Um, I Heard You Paint Houses. Yeah, and that's kind of like um, a, a euphemism for I heard you kill people. Yeah. And I know why. Go on. The blood. The blood. Bang, bang. So you paint the house. The yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm good at idioms, mate. Oh, yes. We know all the idioms. Yeah, so I heard you paint houses. So the book states that the mob believed Hoffer was eager to get back into his old leadership position at the Union because he wasn't allowed to do this until 1980 um and obviously he was really passionate about being in charge of the teamsters he'd been in charge of it for like 40 odd years so 
it was like his life really wasn't it um so the mob thought that he'd be willing to swap information with the authorities in order to lift those restrictions on his union membership so that is the a possible reason union mob killed by the mob not gonna get killed by the union I know which one I choose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it just, if that is true, it shows, like, how much the union meant to him and yeah. being in that power meant to him. Well, it was in these times. The union was, like, family, wasn't it? So Jimmy had also been vocal about trying to get the mob out of the union. So he wanted to clean the union up. It sounds like he's getting good intentions back. Even though the police were able to gather the information, they never had enough solid evidence to convict anyone. Mm-hmm madness so danny what happened months after his disappearance so months after hoffer's disappearance ralph bacardo who was serving time in new jersey said he had information from one of jimmy's killers the information was enough for investigators to compile a list of suspects so each of these suspects then pled the fifth like a lot of them do in the mob and so they didn't talk during police interviews and wouldn't testify because if you plead the fifth that basically means you're quiet the whole time. So, for the non-American listeners, pleading the Fifth Amendment is saying that you've got the right to be quiet if you feel what you're going to say is going to incriminate you. The right to remain silent. In the UK. There we go. You've got the right to remain silent, and if you do say it, maybe give me evidence. Mm-hmm. We've watched the police procedurals. We have. I know my... Uh, Rights. What's the <laughs> word for it? Civil liberties. No, there's a word, isn't it? It's like that, that speech. Oh, yeah, like, I'm going to read you your rights and... Your veranda rights. I'm going to read your veranda rights. That's it. We know our rights, our veranda rights. rights. Yeah, baby. So, this made it impossible to solve the case and Hoffa's disappearance soon became a mystery. But there are some theories on what happened. Oh, I can't wait to scratch this itch. I love, this is my favourite bit, doing theories, Go I love on. it. So, Give me the theories. The first theory is that he was killed by Salvatore Bruglio. <laughs> Probably um, not how you say no, that. I think it's Bruglio. Uh, okay, fun. Um, at Roland McMaster's house, horse farm, not house, house farm, a horse farm in Milford Township. McMaster was an enforcer for the Teamsters, which basically means, like, yeah, roughs people up. He paints houses. Yeah, he paints houses, he roughs people up, he, he does... He's a parliamentary whip. He does, yes, he does very naughty things for the mobsters so that the mob bosses can keep their hands clean. Um, so, in 2006, obviously that's, like, a really long time after he's disappeared. That's, like, 30 years later. That's, like, 14 years ago. Yeah, that's not even long ago. Um, So in 2006, the FBI searched for Hoffa's body at the horse farm, but they found nothing. And to be honest, that doesn't surprise me because it's been such a long time. Obviously, it's probably been moved by then. I've got more curiosity. Go on. How long does a body take to decompose? Oh, not that long. Like a year? No. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And then it's just bone. So when they say body, they're looking for his bones then? Yeah, they were, yeah, they're definitely not looking for his body body. Um, they're just looking for his bones by that point. Remains. Remains, yeah, it's a nice way to say They're looking for his remains. And obviously, bones don't. No, that's a lie. Bones go somewhere. I think it takes a, quite a while though for bones. Because fossils are just castoplast. Yeah. I know science. You do know science, well done you. 
So yeah, that was really recent, only 14 years ago, but late on in the story, if you think. It's nearly been a century since he was alive. Yes, because he was born in 1913. It has been a century. We are good at maths. <laughs> I'm so good at maths. So good at maths. If you'd like to be tutored by me for maths, get in touch. <laughs> so it was rumoured that Hoffa's body was placed in a 55-gallon drum and sent to a mafia-controlled landfill in New Jersey, and the getaway truck was provided by a pension fund trustee who owned the trucking company. So, obviously, it's very good to have your fingers in a lot of pies, like we were talking about before, because you've got someone who owns a landfill, you've got someone, obviously, they have all the teamsters doing the truck business. Very easy to get rid of and a body. a pension trustee is going to be fuming. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, 100%. If you're a trustee for that pension fund and the mob turn around and tell you, guess who has just blew this whole thing up to the police? You'd be livid. Yeah, so you'd do it. You'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll provide the truck. 55-gallon drum. Was he put in alive or dead? Ooh, probably dead because I would imagine they'd have to do some nasty things to him. But the mafia like torturing. Imagine going in, trapped in a drum in a I like to think that they would have shot him first. They're not that nice. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, I like to think they would have shot him first. Because even though he was very shady and very naughty, I don't like to think of him suffering for some reason. I think it's probably because Al Pacino plays him in the film and I really like Al Pacino. So. Mm, Can I tell you another theory? So you know Tony Pro. Yes, I know Tony Pro. From like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Apparently... He ordered the hit on Hoffa because oh. of the conflict between the two and that started when they were incarcerated. So oh. Hoffa son referred to Tony as his father's enemy and he'd been influencing Hoffa's successor as president to the union, Frank Fitzsimons. Oh, okay. Madness, isn't it? But in 1974, Hoffa had claimed that Tony Pro had threatened to kill his loved ones or pull his guts out if he ever tried to gain his role back as president of the Teamsters. Do you know what? That kind of sounds like it might have been him. It does, doesn't it? Because 1974 is just a year before he got killed. And also, if you think about it in order of time, it's only six years before he could then legally run for that position again. Yeah. yeah so, so it's like getting, getting closer, closer and closer, isn't it? It's like a ticking clock. Yeah. If you feel threatened... Does that make sense, obviously? Yeah. Yeah, oh definitely, yeah, because it's getting closer and closer. This feels like a gotcha moment, doesn't it? Yeah, and especially if he's now, like, in the ear of this Frank Fitzsimmons, who's obviously, like, now the, is took over Hoffa's old role, if he's got him on the hook and in his ear, it's it's quite, like, telling. Obviously, he wouldn't want Hoffa because he doesn't have Hoffa he doesn't on have the hook. Little... No, he can't no. be in Hoffa's ear. He hasn't greased that palm. No, he has not greased that palm. So, yeah, I'm thinking this is a good theory. I actually want to tell you about the third theory, though, oh. because I don't believe in this theory, but this theory is amazing, and it will probably most likely be a case in the future because this theory could, could have, oh. like, multiple episodes because it's so good. Go um, So, and this is probably some a serial killer that you've never heard of as well, but, like, super famous. So... The third theory is that Richard Kulkinski, who was known as the Iceman, 
um, killed Hoffer. Now, he worked as a hitman for the mob, which was pretty good for him because he was actually also a serial killer. So he could do his hobby and his job at the same time. You know what they say, you'll never work a day in your life if you do something you love. Exactly. exactly. And that's what he did. That is what he did. Um, so it really like suited him. Working smarter, not harder. That is literally exactly what he did. Oh, Bobby. Um, so he was interviewed for hundreds of hours when he was in prison by author Philip Carlo. So for me, because he's being interviewed in a prison, serial killers, I've watched a lot of documentaries on serial killers, and they either love it and will be interviewed forever and ever and ever talk to loads of people or they talk to no one and they're just like knobheads about and well they're all knobheads because they're serial killers but (laughs) but they'll just be like no i'm not talking to anyone goodbye good riddance that sort of thing that's like oh i love a bad boy (laughs) yeah but not a terrorist that's like the, one of the best Gogglebox memes. It's so funny. Um, so, in these interviews, he was claimed to have been paid £40,000 by the mob to kill Hoffa. So... Not a lot. It's, it's not a lot, but it's probably a lot for back then. Like, so, you've got to think about it for back then. It's only four or five bonus houses. Yeah, only four or five. Yeah, but also... That's my unit measure for everything now. If he kind of likes killing... You probably would do it for less. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, it's, it's, do you know what? Do it for free. You know what? Keep it. Keep it. Keep the cash. Um, so he said that a mob boss, Russell Buffalino, um, had made the order and drove to Detroit with four other members of the mob and then picked Hoffa up at the restaurant. So this is like the mob boss being involved, which is really unusual um, because mob bosses don't tend to get involved with any dirty work. So if you don't know how a mob works... It'll be like the mob boss at the top. Because you do. Because I do. It'll be the mob boss at the top. Then there's like the second boss, like the second in command, like the deputy head teacher. Um, and then it would be um, the captain called and they're in charge of the soldiers. And so soldiers are like just all like the random like truck drivers and stuff that like do their bidding and things like that. Um, and even like this serial killer would be because he's just doing their bidding so he'd be like a soldier as well yeah, he's not a decision maker. and they're the ones who tend to get the prison time because they'll get caught doing the crimes the exactly so but whereas obviously like it's the big bosses that are actually profiting off orchestrating it. it it's orchestrating yeah orchestrating yeah that's yep, a word now. that is a word um so it was quite unusual so obviously when this theory came out a lot of people were a bit like oh that's weird but he says um, they knocked him out and stabbed him with a hunting knife in the skull, um, which is quite brutal. Um, and the body was put into the boot or the trunk, uh, and then taken to New Be- New Jersey to be crushed and sold as metal. Um, That's cliche. It is cliche, and the Iceman was also quoted as saying he's part of a car somewhere in Japan. Well, he's not because he would have cleaned the metal. Yeah. He would have melted the metal. Yeah. So, he's not. No, he's not. He's not part of the car. He's not. You know I genuinely he's don't think he is anyway. Driving your Honda. Like, driving your Honda. <laughs> but yeah, so Patrick Kane, who was a police officer that worked on the case, um, does believe this theory from Kukinski. Um, But a lot of other people have said he's a known liar and he exaggerates, which 
is something that some serial killers do. They'll up their body count, basically, to make themselves even more infamous. Yeah, they want to be prolific out there. Yeah, exactly. So this is something he could do, and especially because this was such a... At the time, it was huge, like this Jimmy Hoffa case. So it it was really, like you know, like this would be a, quite a good a good kill to have on your yeah, list but you, you, want, you know it, you want it's the notoriety list. isn't it this theory i actually think he was lying because it was really unlikely that a mob boss would get the hands dirty so i don't believe this theory unless it was personal uh it could be because obviously he was in the mob for such a long time so maybe he wanted to be there but it is very unlikely yeah no let's get rid of that theory i don't like it i don't like it I've got a fourth theory. This is my favourite theory. I know it is, and I love it too. So, the theory is that Frank Sheeran... Sheeran. Like Ed Sheeran. The theory is that Frank Sheeran killed Hoffa. He was a known mob killer. He was also nicknamed, wait for it, full circle, the Irishman. The Irishman, which is what the film is based on. It's all around this man. They carried the ones. This... (laughs) All what it's about. So he claims to have killed Hopper on the orders of Russell Buffalino. So Frank had been interviewed by author Charles Brandt. Hopper had originally hired Sheeran to be a hitman and he used him to get rid of his rivals in the union. Frank says that after picking Hopper up from the restaurant, they drove to an empty house where Hopper was shot in the back of the head as he walked inside by Sheeran. Oh. Yeah. Sheeran then left while Hopper's body was taken to a funeral home controlled by the mob where he was cremated that is so clever isn't that it? seems very clean doesn't yeah. it that seems like what the mob would do gone done and i feel Sorted. like the mob's clever like grease those funeral directors because like they put bodies in coffins of other bodies right? that they know yeah cremated. yeah yeah clever so hoffa's murder left sheeran feeling guilty but he had felt that it was the right thing to do because he would have been killed if he'd refused so Frank said he sat in the front passenger seat to send a secret warning to Harper. Full circle. Full circle moment. Yeah, so this is like the whole point of you're not supposed to be sat in the passenger seat. But this was a seat that Hoffer always sat in. If they were obviously just riding around being friendly, he would always sit in the passenger seat and, you know, people would move, you know, like to let him sit there. And he didn't move. And he didn't move. And that, so this was supposed to be like a warning to him, but Hoffer did did not pick up that he signal. didn't he did not pick up on that signal See, that's not something i do i just like i'm so anxious me i'd be like oh i'll sit in the box yeah or half i might have just been like ee why is he being why, why, why is he being annoying yeah jimmy's <laughs> son again said that it would have been frank's presence in the car that would have made his father trust the other people in the car and that he'd get in it because they had such a good friendship yeah so that's like what the daughter said with chucky being in the car because I think obviously if chucky and frank were in the car Double they're one. two of his mates you get in, yeah. Oh, this is sad. This is sad because it's like he was really like... Trusting. Trusting, and he trusted them and he got in. Oh, I don't like this. It's, it, do you know what? Watch. I, need, I know I need to stop talking about the film, but it's really sad when you're watching the film and you can tell as a viewer what's going to happen and he's just so oblivious to it and you're like, what are you doing? That would be me. Yeah. I'd be there like, so what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, it's so sad. There's no tomorrow for you. There's no tomorrow for you. No, no, you no. you're not my plans. You come to me on my daughter's wedding day. That's a good accent. Thanks, I've been perfecting that. That you have. So, um, 
Sheeran was also in Detroit when Hoffa disappeared. Sheeran pointed out the exact house that Hoffa was killed in, but no evidence was ever found in the house. So even though this seems plausible, again, there's not enough evidence to arrest anyone. All mm. we've got is Sheeran's word. But the thing is, because obviously he kept this to himself until he was pretty much dying, the evidence isn't going to be there, is it? No. All this time after? It was probably not there the day after. They have a good clean-up Oh, of course, yeah. Well, again, oh, I'm so sorry about going on about the film, but in the film there's two men already waiting in the house as the clean-up crew. They're, <laughs> they're that quick and it's crazy. And it's like he walks in and as soon as he sees these two men, like Hoffa knows, he's like, oh, crap. But then Shit. he's already getting shot in the head by the time he re- it's realizes. It's like walking in and seeing Winston Wolf there. <laughs> it is? Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Do you get that reference? Just. Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Not the adverts? No, obviously not the adverts. But, yeah. He's the fixer. He's going to sort it. I know. He's going to sort it for you. I thought really badly there when I thought you'd never seen Pulp Fiction. No, I love Pulp Fiction. Me too. I went to the cinema to see it last week. Did ya? All the cinemas are showing, not the old. Old films. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, so you walk in, you see these fellas. Not good, is it? No. Um, so it's for that because he was dying, he wanted to clear his slate because he was a Catholic. So he needed to confess before we could pass. Ah, yes, that makes sense. you got to get rid of your sins if you want any chance. To yeah, you need to cleanse your soul. Yeah, yeah. I say last because God is clearly one. God is a woman. I mean, if we go off the word of Ariana Grande, which obviously we do. <laughs> we worship in the house of Ariana and pray in the, <laughs> in house, the house of, of Grande. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I can see why he confessed on his deathbed. Oh, yeah, I do as well. I think he just wanted to get rid of his sins. And also, his life was so sad after, like, when once he started to get old mobsters don't have anyone because a lot of their families hate them because of what they do his daughter especially she was really close with jimmy so she did not forgive her dad because she knew that he knew what had happened or that he'd killed him so he never had a relationship with like his own kids afterwards Uh, and he was literally on his own you know like in a in an old people's home and it is sad mobsters have really sad shitty lives once they get old you make your bed yeah you make your bed you lie in it I, do you know what this idea of confessing your sins before you die is such a good thing we need to bring it back yeah I would like it if more people did this because I feel like we would have so many answers to mm. things we didn't have but you've got to know that you're dying really haven't you that's the only thing yeah 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 so and he was elderly and you know good on this writer for going in and being like I'm going to go and interview this old mobster do you know what I'm going to ask him I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ask him about his life. I think it's such a good idea. Like, I if I was a writer and I lived in like you Detroit. Or, well, I am a writer. That's true. But if I lived in like Detroit or somewhere that had mobsters, I would be trying to track them down in their old people's homes. Well, I reckon you could get some shady things around here. Probably. Yeah. You get onto that. Right onto it. The Liverpool mobsters. If you guys want to <laughs> reach me up. out to us, <laughs> and you, like shout out on the pod. <laughs> Um, you know, imagine. <laughs> but it also, this theory suggests that Frank Fitzsimmons, Hoffa's successor, 
work with the present with the present. Yeah. So it also suggests that Frank Fitzsimmons, Hoffa's successor, work with President Nixon to have Hoffa pardoned to get him out of prison early. But also had a part in having Hoffa banned from the Union until 1980, according to leaked tapes. And you know what? A lot of dodge with Nixon, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So this is why this theory is so believable. Holds a lot of water. Gates. Ah! <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. That was good. That was good. So, according to these leaked tapes of Nixon and Fitzsimmons, they wanted Hoffa out of prison so that Fitzsimmons could control the Teamsters that supported Hoffa because as soon as Hoffa got out, all the Teamsters would want Hoffa back in power because he was so popular, he was such a good union leader and Fitzsimmons would be, like, pushed to the side and obviously he didn't want that. He liked being in control of the Teamsters, having that power and so it just made sense for him to be like oh don't let him have any power until 1980 question answer what did nixon get out of this most powerful man in the country world what did what did he get out of it what do we think so this is what he got out hang on let me just scroll (laughs) i'm like what did nixon get out of this such a good question dean i'm gonna answer you in just scroll (laughs) well well dean nixon pardoning hoffa would put him in favour with workers and the working class because hoffa was so popular and they felt they could relate to him popular vote the popular vote so that's for, for me that's a pretty uh solid motive, solid motive. Yeah. so nixon was a well-known republican yeah of course obviously before his impeachment yes which you know what Do you, can i just point this out to americans getting back on my horse <laughs> how could you not impeach trump i don't understand how that hasn't happened you impeach nixon but not trump i don't get it um uh do you know what it baffles. I'm, get, I'm getting off my horse. But the, the mind boggles. It does. It really does. Members of the province are known mob group who sent a representative to Vegas to deliver half a million to Charles Colson. That representative was sure. Little known fact. Um, who was special counsel to Nixon? And even more money was sent to Nixon from the mob for restricted, for restricting Hoffa's union access. This was the same time as the Watergate scandal. Making the links, carrying mm-hmm. the ones. And according to the Department of Justice memo, this money could have been used to cover up the Watergate scandal. Though, these payments were never confirmed. Yes, yeah, so this is all just sort of... Like, there's no evidence for them, but there wouldn't be evidence for them, would there? We don't know if it holds water. <laughs> <laughs> the waters are rather murky on that theory. <laughs> <coughs> Nice try, Jan. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> My favourite name. So, the document suggests that Hoffa could have been suspicious of this. It's possible he could have been preparing to go public with this information. He was about to cancel some bitches. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah, he was. He really was about to cancel them. He's about to drop a video. <gasps> oh, my God, yeah. Because, could you imagine cancelling the president before he got cancelled? Yeah. Being the one to drop that bomb. Yeah, and then Watergate came as well. Oh, Bam. it's Double even worse. Whammy. So this, of course, would have made mob boss Russell Buffalino very nervous and wary of Hoffa. Time magazine also linked Buffalino to the CIA with dealings going on in Cuba at the time. 
This outing had enraged Russell to the point where he wanted to silence anyone who threatened to out his secrets because he was under quite a lot of fire at the time. Um, so he was quite tightly wound up anyway. Yeah. This is just another problem. Ticking time bomb. Yeah, ticking time bomb. This is another problem. He's going to get rid of it. So he found out that Hoffer and two other mobsters were going to meet with, with the church committee who were investigating the CIA's involvement in Cuba and all three men were later killed off in various ways. Dodgy. Very dodgy. So all of these people... Or disappeared, sorry. Disappeared. Um, Ooh, they all disappeared. Creepy, yeah. yeah, they all disappeared, disappeared in various ways and locations. So to me, again, this is holding a lot more weight. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more meat to the bones on this one there is and it's going as far up as the president himself mm-hmm. so I, I i this is my theory i believe so it. this is the one you're championing this is where i'm putting all my money well i wouldn't go all in just yet because i've got a final theory oh go on tell us what the final theory so in this theory it suggests that hoffer is still alive shut up he's gone missing but he's not dead He's not in a 55-gallon drum in a landfill. He's not in a Honda Civic in Japan. But he's alive. Where? So, he could still be in the custody of the mob. Oh, don't. He could still be in their mob prison. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. He'd be 107. So I'm guessing that he's not alive. People have lived longer. Yeah, they have. But I'm guessing he's died of natural causes at least by now. Whilst in the custody yes, of Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, there's another suggestion that he could have run away to South America. Okay, nice. And that he's having a lovely life in South America. Bit of Latin dancing, bit of street food. Oh, at the, all, end, yeah. at the end of the day. There's no weight. It's not holding no water, these fairies. It's literally there. just this could be what he's doing. They've opened the water gate. Oh, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Lol. So, finish me off, Dad. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thanks. You fell asleep upstairs. No, yeah, I'm I'm in my family home. <laughs> <laughs> My knee seats on that couch. <laughs> <laughs> so those fairies don't hold any water, Kate. Oh, Dean. Um, no, but I think the fourth theory with the Irish man is... That's my favourite. I think that's the true one. So I didn't know... So he was declared legally dead in 1982. Yeah. But obviously we don't know whether he was actually dead at that time. Yeah. But as of 2015, the case is still open but it's inactive yeah so basically they're not really working on it because you've got to think as well they're all dead the people that know about it probably yeah they're not they're not finding any new leads really, no are they? because they, no one it was all a secret and you know once your case has been marked inactive that's it until that's new it. tricks get hold of it <laughs> till new tricks <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Jimmy Buffett, new tricks crossing. Oh, maybe one day they'll find him in a landfill somewhere. Oh. But yeah, so Hoffa's daughter, Barbara, has said that she doubts this case will ever be solved due to the majority of those being involved are dead. So she basically thinks the same as us. Yeah. 
which is sad. It's sad. Right, so, final thoughts. Final thoughts. You're going with... I'm going with that fourth theory, that is the hill I choose to die on. Which is the Irishman theory. Yes, 100%. I think... I, I mean, I, don't, I know we keep going on about the film, but... I love the film but it's so detailed and there's so many things in it that line up and make sense it's to me it's just obvious that that's the one you think there's been some tip offs there yeah and I love the whole president involvement as well I believe it 100% I see a four fairy and a razor of 55 gallon (laughs) so the first like go on then I, I just I can just I feel like that's something that would happen. Yeah. I think he was putting this gallon alive. Gallon alive? Ooh. I think he was putting it alive. That makes and me so sad. Inland felt and suffered. Oh. I know. I don't want to believe that. I know, but also at the end of the day, he's no angel. Yeah, he was no angel. That is that is true. We've only scratched the surface here as to his crimes and what he did when he was alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had, like we were saying before, he, he would have had so many shady dealings going on. And and this has been a highly romanticised view of it, I think, because a lot of this information is, like, coming from his daughter. Yeah. people that liked him. Yeah, like, even, even Frank Sheeran, who says he's the person that killed him, he was really friendly with him and it, he says in, in the book, I, like I heard you paint houses, that it was awful and he, you know, like hated himself for doing it because they were so close. They were You're friends. not going to talk ill for the dead though, are you? No, no. So it's all a bit sketchy, sketchy. Yeah. I really enjoyed delving into that case file. I really enjoyed this week's case as well. I feel like there were so many layers to it and I kind of enjoy doing things about the mob for some reason. I can tell. It, yeah, <laughs> sorry. It just really interests me. It shouldn't, but it does. And I feel like you need to say on record that you are not part of the mob. I'm not part of the mob. I don't wish to be part of the mob. I just Please know do not a lot me. about them. Don't approach me unless you want me to write a book maybe about something that you've done. Or a brand deal. Or a brand deal, yeah, that that if would you be want great. To be on the next pod, if you, oh yeah, imagine if we got an interview with a member of the mob, that'd be really cool. I feel like you should wear some magic. Come on, mobsters! So we've come to that point in the podcast. We have. Where I want some hints for our next case. Give me some little hinty hinty. Oh, a little hinty hinty. So this next one is actually. Probably the most, like, curiously morbid thing we've talked about so far. And it is morbid, isn't it? It's really morbid. It won't be easy. It really won't, because it's pretty gross to talk about. I was pretty grossed out just mentioning what it was to Dean. Oh, yeah, you really were? Yeah. I think you've said too much. Oh? I Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's also a reference to what it could be. Oh, absolutely what you did there. Yeah. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. But what we've said is true. What we've said is true. Mm -hmm. So tune in next Monday for our next case file. Yeah. What What are you doing on Friday, Danielle? On Friday, I'm listening to our Freaky Friday edition of the podcast. Which is our small, digestible, listening one go, on the way to work, in the gym, walking around the supermarket... Get a little bit freaky with some unknown, mysterious, paranormally 
things that we wouldn't necessarily mention on the main show. Yeah, and we'll do like we delve into like our own experiences and stories. It's more personal. It's a bit more. Yeah, it's a bit more chill. I mean, not that this isn't very chill and and laid back, but it's even more chill. It is, and we'll promise to put even more idioms in than today's episode. Oh my god, that might be quite hard. I feel like it was quite easy today. I feel like the mob really lends itself to figurative language. Well, you know, people in glass houses. I heard that people paint houses. (gasps) But with that, we'll see you next week. Until then, stay curious. Stay morbid. See you next time.